I'm glad that you're back with me again today. We're talking about praying, and we're talking about where God says that we can approach him boldly in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and he says if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So first he says pray with boldness. Now it's, it's when we're praying in the will of God that we can have confidence and boldness. In other words, I know this is something God could grant. I know this is something that God says he will do or he agrees with. And so since it's in accord with God's word, we can certainly come with confidence. We can come with boldness. We can come with assurance. We can really just come before God's throne with all that we are. The second is we know if we're praying according to his will, we know he hears us. Now, God always hears every prayer voiced within the boundaries of his will. And, and this is the first certainty that forms the basis of prayer. We know that we're heard. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Because everything he did lay within the boundaries of God's will. So God hears every prayer. You're being heard. But the third result of praying in his will is if we know that he hears us, we know that we have right now that which we request from him. Think of it. He hears us, and we know we have it. You see, in the eyes of God, if he hears our prayer, that means he can, he can answer it because <clears throat> he, he hears our prayer if it's according to his will. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ, Paul says. There are no negatives. Everything we ask within the vast area of God God grants without exception. Do you dare to believe that? God doesn't have favorites. He has no special pets. Now, as somebody has said, he does have intimates. I know I've had people say to me, Preacher, you pray for me about this because you're a better prayer than I am. And I don't know that I was. I have no idea that I was. I, don't, I didn't know anything about their prayer life, but I knew mine was not perfect and had a lot to be desired. But you see, every, every believer has the same equal right to come before God. Now, some people are more intimate with God than others because they talk to him more. They come in, in his presence more, and they come in the right way more. But he has no favorites, and anyone can be intimate who will, who wants to be. The, the secret of prayer is to take what God has granted, and within the will of God, it's yours. You say, but I have prayed within the will of God. I knew God was hearing me, and I believed it was mine, but I didn't have it. You see, the only question is the timing of God. If it is yours, it is yours. Just believe it. In God's time, you will have what you already have been granted. It's up to God when that answer will come. But the request has been granted. Therefore, if you begin to give thanks, you don't beg. You thank God that it's yours. You expect it in God's time. Time is really the only uncertain aspect about prayer. For example, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and his and his wife Elizabeth had prayed for a son, and they had believed God was going to give them a son. But now they were past childbearing age, so God had not seemed to answer their prayer. But even when they were past childbearing age, God gave them a son, the same with Abraham and Sarah. God answered their prayer. He just didn't answer it on the timetable they expected. George Mueller had two friends that he wanted to know Christ, so every day he prayed for them and asked God to save them and thank God that he was going to save them, and he believed God uh, had answered his prayer. And he thanked God every day that they would be saved. And just before he died, one man received Christ. Then after he died, the second man received Christ. You see, God's timing wasn't, wasn't the timing Mueller had. Mueller wanted those guys to come to Christ earlier. 
But they were not ready, and God had to get them ready. God had to bring them to the place that they were willing to do that. And let's look at the example of prayer. This is kind of a controversial passage, and he talks about seeing a brother committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, that we should ask and that God will give him life. The very first thing that is said is that we should pray for our brothers and sisters, for other Christians, and that is particularly important, that we lift them up before God and we pray for them on a regular basis. We should pray for other believers in the church. For example, my wife and I pray each day, and we have a number of people that we're praying for on our prayer list that have special needs right now. There are some who have physical needs. There are some who need to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, and we're praying for them. And so uh, we're praying for believers, and we're praying for people to become believers. So it's important that we do that. But then he says we're, we're not to censor those who sin, but we're to love them, pray for them, encourage them, and pray for the offending brother. But then he says, if we do not pray for our brother, if we do intercede, if we do pray for them and do intercede, then we take the place of intercessor for him. For, for God says that, that Jesus is the intercessor and we go through him to the Father. If we pray for our brother or sister, God will answer our prayers and God will meet the needs of those people. In fact, in the book of James, we're told, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. In the book of Galatians, we are encouraged in the sixth chapter, if a man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. So we're to pray for each other. We're to lift up other people who are believers. One of the most important things that we can do in this world is pray for other Christians. But he said that there are some people that have committed a sin unto death. And he said, I don't know whether you really need to pray about this. Now, what is the sin unto death? Some people say, well, it's suicide or murder or adultery. But the Bible indicates God can forgive all of those sins. And so that's not what, what it is. The sin unto death is not a particular sin. It shouldn't even be called the sin or a sin, for the text of the Greek in, in this passage is, has no definite article. It's just sin unto death. Any sin can become the sin unto death. What is it? Another view is that sin, that <clears throat> the sin can be committed, cannot be committed by born-again Christian, but it is the sin of one who professes to be a Christian and really isn't, and therefore it isn't the sin of a Christian. I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about brothers here. He's talking about people who are in the family. Let me share with you my conviction that I believe what he's talking about here, and I think the Bible bears this out. God says if a believer continues to sin and continues to disobey God and continues to not get back right with God even when God disciplines him, that God says, I'll just take you home. It's a sin of death. I'll take you home. I'll take you home early because you're hurting my cause. You're hurting my influence. And as we do so, as God does so, then it removes a stumbling block to other people. In fact, Moses committed a sin in which he spoke to the rock when God told him uh, not to do that. And uh, God commanded him to speak to the rock, but he struck the rock. I'm sorry. And, and so he refused to do what God told him to do. 
And God said, I'm going to take you on home. I'm not going to let you go into the promised land, which was a big blow because he wanted so much to go into the promised land. And I could give you other examples in Scripture of people who have committed the sin unto death in the Bible. I believe that Korah and his clan, who opposed God and died in number 16, they're probably Achan was stoned to death because he obeyed God's orders and stole from the city of Jericho. In the New Testament, Ananias and his wife Sapphira were, were, <clears throat> were killed by God when they lied about what they were giving to the church. And we could go on and on. So the main thing that God is saying to us here as believers is that we need to be serious about him and we need to let him be in control of our lives. And if we do that, then it won't be any problem and everything will be great. And I just pray that today you'll pray and seek God with all your heart. He'll answer. God bless you. Have a great day.